Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Welcome to the Living Savior Church today. Praise the Lord. Good to have you. <clears throat> we had a great healing school yesterday. Had people from all over. We're so grateful that the Lord brings people to the healing school from everywhere. We had a great testimony yesterday. Uh, some of you that were here, you might have got to hear it, but if you weren't here, there was a young man. Uh, a young man that uh, had uh, been laying, I believe, he had been comatose for five months, I believe, if I didn't, don't, if I remember the story correctly. I think he got uh, injured in March or something of last year, uh, or this year, I guess it was, in a skiing uh, accident. Uh, of course, he didn't realize that by being disobedient to his parents, what kind of consequences he was going to have to pay. But he had not honored his mother and father. Uh, he, he told me this, and he said, uh, when mom and dad told me to do things, I didn't obey, and they told me not to do these uh, wild skiing events uh, that he went out to do, but he said, I did them anyway. And uh, it cost him severely. He had a severe accident, and... He didn't hit right, and he'd done something devastating, and they picked him up and put him in the hospital, and he wound up a vegetable from, I think, March to August. What, eh? Yeah, yeah, he fell 40 feet, and, but, you know, I mean, in skiing incidents, you know, 40 feet's a long ways, you know, that's like four stories. But, uh, you know, they do some crazy things. I mean, you know, people today with some of the things that we do, and some of the stunts and stuff that, I don't care whether it's on motorcycles or skis or whatever things, people do some crazy things. And, of course, I'm going to tell you that those events are just things the enemy has put out there to kill our young people. You know, and, uh, of course, they see other young people doing these things, and so they want to get involved in those things. And, you know, when you see people doing these motorcycle things, you know, that flip the motorcycle over two or three times and everything and I wonder, uh, like we watched one of those the other day, and we saw at least three professionally trained young men hurt, and one of them was hurt severely on television while we happened to be sitting in a restaurant watching this. And I thought, I wonder how many young men the devil has literally killed like that. But the same way with skiing and everything else. It seems like the more daring it becomes, the more we like it as young people. I know I used to be one of those young people. You know, so, and I thank God for His grace that got me through all of that. But this young man, he had done this, and his mother and dad told him not to, but he did it anyway. And so by dishonoring his mother and father, he realizes now that this event happened to him, and he lay as a vegetable from March to August. Doctors said he would never recover. He would be a vegetable the rest of his life. But last August... He had a sister that came down with a family from Minnesota, Minneapolis. And they came down here, and the sister came up after the healing school and said, Pastor, I believe with all my heart, if you will agree with me in prayer, that our God will forgive my brother and raise him up and heal him. And we prayed the prayer of faith for that boy in August. And yesterday at the healing school, his dad and him were here. They came down. He is walking. Uh, he is talking a little. He's not 100% yet, 
But he says, it's done. And he said, I'll listen to your CDs and DVDs from the time I wake up in the morning till I go to bed at night. He said, I'm listening to faith. And he said, I'm standing on God's mighty word. And he said, I know that I'm going to fully recover. But from August, I mean, he lay there all those months, comatose. And then after prayer and standing on the word, I mean, and of course, it's changed the entire family's whole perspective of who God is and what his word means. See, God's no respect to persons. I mean, he made a set of rules and he tells us to obey him. And when we don't. We pay the consequences, and the consequences sometimes are severe, you know. So I don't want to have to go there. I'd much rather just obey Daddy and, you know, and do what he says and, and be blessed. That's what I want to do. So anyway, before we get started with the message today, does anybody have a testimony that you want to give, something that God has done for you? You have a testimony you want to give? No. Going once, going twice. Oh, okay. We, okay, we got Ty. He's not going to let me get by here. Praise the King. Okay. Oh, thank you, Lord. Um, I have had when my mother had her 80th anniversary, 80 year old birthday yesterday. So we had we had family from all over the country come in, and we had some staying with our house, and the Holy Spirit had, had been telling me. That, to pray for this young man that was there that was from California that was that married my cousin's daughter. And so this morning, the, the door had not been opened. They were going to leave. We were going to take him to the airport this morning. And I said, well, Lord, you, know, you, you, just, you told me to pray for this young man, but you haven't given me a chance to talk to him. So I was, it was about, I don't know, four, three, four o'clock this morning when I was praying, reading the Word. A little later, sun up came and Cheryl got up and she went out in the pasture and went for her walk like she always does every morning, praying and worshiping the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said, Ty, now I want you to talk to him. I said, great. So I got up and walked around with nobody was downstairs. So I just praised the Lord and worshiped and went back in my office and read the Word a little bit longer. Then they came down and said, Ty, can you get us some medicine? For this man. His name was Nathan. He said, can you get some medicine for Nathan? I said, well, sure. What's wrong with him? And Nathan said, well, I, I, I got allergies and, I, and I'm really having a hard time here. The Holy Spirit said, give him my medicine. Now, being a doctor, <laughs> first thing I do is give him a histamine. <laughs> the Holy Spirit spoke. And I heard him, and I obeyed him. So I said, I'm going to give you some medicine. This medicine will make you well for life. And I began speaking the Word to this young man. And while I was speaking the Word, the Holy Spirit had spoken to Cheryl out in the pasture and said, I want you to pray for Nathan. So while I was ministering the Word, Cheryl was doing spiritual warfare in the heavenlies in the pasture. And this young man received this Word from the Lord. And all I can say is, is when, when the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, you have to understand that very rarely would be an audible voice. It's a voice that you know that it's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit tells you, it's just like when 
it's what I've told you. I've told you this before. You'll think about somebody, and then the next day or two they call you. You didn't speak anything other than you thought about that person. I need to call that person. Well, your spirit is speaking to their spirit. Whether they be in New York or whether they be upstairs in your bedroom, it's happening. When you speak it and when you pray and say it, it happens. And it's a voice you don't hear. But yet, it's, the communication's going on. <laughs> Last night, I was talking to my aunt. My aunt is going through some hard times. She lost her husband. She's having a hard time putting, allowing the Lord to take over her life and giving her life to the Lord. So I was speaking to her and I was told her, I said, well, now, Mother calls you all the time and you call her all the time when you hear that voice, don't you? She says, yeah, I do. That's right. Yeah, because every time I think about her, she calls me. Or I, I don't understand how that works. I said, well, that's the voice. That's the spiritual realm that you don't understand. When you hear a voice and there's love, and it aligns with Daddy's Word, whatever you're hearing, do it. Amen. Do it. Amen. It may seem foolishness to you, but do it. If there's love and if it aligns with Daddy's Word, whatever you're hearing, do it. Amen. <laughs> Thank Amen. you. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the King. Absolutely. Listen to that voice. Yes, ma'am. Praise the Lord. Probably about, I don't know, it was earlier in the year, I think, you had, I had asked for prayer from you um, at one of the Tuesday night Bible studies. Uh, and we prayed um, for a job. And so the Lord blessed me and I'm able to temporarily work at SMU. So I want to just thank you guys for praying. Thank you so much for just being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Um, and also something that I really wanted to share that really blessed me this week. I would sent an email. I had just gotten just really attacked. I'm trying to leave for Ghana, so I'm also asking those of you, if you, my name is Katina, so if you think about it, that the Lord would open a door for finances and things to go to minister in Ghana. But anyway, um, I sent, I was so desperate, and the Lord immediately said, Call, um, get in touch with Living Saviors Ministry. So I got on the Internet, got your website, and oh, Cheryl, was it you that called me this week at work? Sharon. Sharon, okay. I don't, is she... Sharon, thank you so much for being obedient. And she called and she prayed with me um, just for a few minutes. And um, I'm just so thankful to the Lord because there were so many things that I think were just the enemy was attacking me so that I wouldn't go to Ghana. But he keeps giving me messages. He keeps confirming. So I'm thankful for your, your obedience to call me. And um, I'm just really grateful to be here on, um, on the first Sunday um, I've not ever been before, so I really am thankful to the Lord for this ministry and just continue to go forth. So bless all of you. Amen. Praise the Lord, young lady. Good, good. Praise the King. Praise the King. Now we've got it started here. Praise the Lord. Um, John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I didn't know if I was supposed to do this or not, but once they started talking about hearing the Lord... Uh, a couple of weeks ago on Monday, I got out, mowed my lawn, edged it in a whole bit, had it all clean. And I thought, well, I believe I'll put winterizer on it while I'm all perspiring. And so, <laughs> and so then I remembered my fertilizer spreader had a, a little plastic chunk out of it on the cable that goes to adjust how much it drops, you know. So I looked at it and I thought, well, I can, I took it apart and I thought, I can drill a 
hole right here and get a screw started, and with a big head, it won't pull on through that hole, and I can repair it. Uh, so I do that all the time. And, <laughs> and so I thought, now, I need a washer because it did go on through. And I didn't have a washer that size. I had a bunch, but I didn't have one. And so I looked, and I thought, well, that's about the size of a penny. I'll run to the store and get a washer to repair it. And so I got my keys, and the Lord said, why don't you just drill a hole in that penny and use it for a washer? That's the right size. I drilled a hole in it, put the screw through it. It repaired it perfectly. Didn't have to go to the store and use gas. Didn't have Take the time, and it cost me one penny. To Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a woman of wisdom, let me tell you. Wow. Come up here, young lady. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We came here about, about three months ago. A lady came to my husband's office and brought us here. I've been ordained for about seven years or six years now, but I couldn't preach anywhere because I probably, probably because I'm a woman or something. I came here and I asked you, I want you to pray with me because I'm bubbling inside with the word of God. I want to just send out, I pray for others in other places like in London and they receive from the Lord. But here I have been stabled in one church, and they won't let me say a word. I, I was only good for prayers. But the Lord has so much done it that just about a few weeks back, our pastor resigned very abruptly. And God has so much done wonders through me. I've been preaching all on my own. Amen. Praise, Praise, the, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, yes, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Anybody else before we go on? Praise the King. Glory to God. Okay. Well, praise the Lord. I am sure glad that God doesn't know this deal about you can't use women. (laughs) Oh, me. I will pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters in the last days, the King said. Wow. Does he ever? All right. Let's turn over to again to the book of Jude. We're going to right in front of the book of Revelation today. We're going to. It's a little bitty short book. We're going to try to get this whole thing today, if we possibly can. There's some really good stuff in this, and maybe we'll go to some other place. It all depends on what happens here. But praise the King. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Brother, come on in. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Yeah, we move a few chairs there. Deborah, she's good at that. She can do all kinds of things here. We get a place here for this gentleman to come in. Praise the Lord. Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we praise you and thank you that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. And we thank you for this magnificent book, the Word. And, Lord, help us to understand what you're saying here. Reveal to us exactly what you want us to hear. Touch everybody's heart that we may hear your word, that we may act on your word, so that we will be able to be your children and do exactly what you tell us to do so that we can bring glory and honor to your name. And I thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It says, Greetings from Jude. 
I'm, I'm reading out of the NLT. I, I, more I read and study from the NLT, the better I like this book. Uh, I've, I've always used the King James, but boy, this NLT is great, a great translation, and I love to read it. It is so clear in so many areas, and of course, I continually go back and forth between it. In fact, on our website, I don't know if you've ever found it yet or not in the website, but under the links in our website, you can go to the Blue Bible. When you go to links from the front page, it'll take you to several little links, and you go to the Blue Bible, and the Blue Bible, the men that have put that together, we put that link on our website, because I study out of that all the time. You can go there, and there is everything, at least a dozen translations of the Bible. At least a dozen. And then there's the Old Testament and the Hebrew and the Greek and everything. You can look up anything. You can read it in the Hebrew, Greek. I mean, you can, the dictionaries are in there. Everything's in there. You can go to any translation you want to, and you can either read it, scroll down by book, chapter. You can search in any translation. It's got a search engine on it where you can search by any word or anything. You can find anything in the Bible you want, and it'll search. When you search, it'll search through five or six different Bibles and the knaves, I mean, the topical Bible, everything. I mean, it'll search through all kinds of stuff. And you can just find awesome things about the Word of God. And it's free. It don't cost nothing. It's the best study Bible. You couldn't buy a piece of software like this for $1,000. But it's on there, and it's there for free. And they're constantly putting commentaries and everything else there and then you can not only read it in any translation, but you can listen to it in any translation. I mean, so when you click on it to listen, if you want to, read, want to hear the King James read to you, it will read it. I mean, right, right there. And if you want to listen to the, the NLT, it, if you click on that translation and say listen in MP3, you'll listen to it. On, I mean, right there as you read down, somebody's reading it to you. Now you're not only getting it through your eyes, you're getting it through your ears. So you'll learn the Word of God much quicker. And what you're doing when you click on it, when you read it, you are absolutely hearing God speak to you from His Word. You're hearing Him because His Word is His voice. And when He talks to you through the Word, I mean, anybody, anybody at any time of the day can hear God's Word. You can hear a word from God. All you've got to do is open His Word. And right now, we're going to read His Word. And exactly, it would be no different when I read this to you right now than if the King Himself was standing right here reading it to you from His own voice. There is no difference. It's a word from God to His children. The Word says He speaks to us in these last days through His Word. And so whenever I read it and you, your eyes follow along, it's just exactly as if God himself was standing up here on this platform talking to you. Because technically he is, because Christ in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory, as I read the word, God is going to be speaking to you today from his word. His word is what he likes, or his word tells you what he doesn't like. His word will tell you the blessings that he will bless you with. His word tells you... The consequences of sin. So you don't want to go there. You do not want to do those things. Now, a lot of people that are in the church are living in some kind of sin. And they don't know it. 
so they don't understand why the devastating things happen to them. They don't understand why that they're tormented or why that nothing goes right, you know, in their life and why their car breaks down all the time or their house is broken into and why all these devastating things happen. But it all happens because of sin. It all happens because of sin. Nothing happens to you without a cause. Because the Word of God clearly says that no curse comes upon you without a cause. So we don't want to live under the curse of God. We want to live under the blessings of God. We want to be able to walk and be healthy and be able to talk and see and and run and play and do all the things that we want to do as human beings. But there is a price to do that. And the price is definitely worth it. Now, if I'd only known these things, if I had been in a church that had known these things and had been willing to teach me these things just like they're written, or if I had just put God first and read His Word when I was a teenager instead of spending time in school, I mean, I learned a few things in school, but not a whole lot. You know, that's unfortunate because they presented several things for me to learn, but I didn't think I needed those things. Like, for instance, history. Uh, You know, history was not one of my favorite things. You know, so I didn't like history, so I didn't study history. You know, I squeaked by history barely with a 70. You know, I just barely made it. In fact, the only subject I ever failed in my life when I was in school was a history course. And I failed it the first year with a 69, and I passed it the next year with a 71. (laughs) You know... So I thought, history, who's going to need this? You know, who cares about what happens in Europe? I ain't never going to go to Europe. Little did I know that I was going to travel the world over, and then I had to study history. And I thought, what a dummy I was. If I'd only studied in school when they said we're going to send you to Egypt, at least I'd have had some idea what Egypt was, where it was. But didn't even know where it was. Had to get a map out to find Egypt. You know, here they're going to send me to Egypt to build a building. I don't even know where Egypt is, you know. So I thought, wow, if I'd only learned. But, of course, you know, your dad or your mother probably tells you, son, you know, or daughter, study. You know, you may need this someday. "Ah, Dad, I don't ever need this. In fact, when when I did graduate from high school, in fact, when I was a senior, and almost getting ready to graduate, only like the two or three months or whatever it was, and, and me and a man there in the school, he got crossways with him. He said, I did something. I didn't do it. And he was going to give me a spanking for doing it, and I told him, no, I was not going to take the spanking. I did not do what he said I did. I was not guilty. I was not going to take it. And he said he was going to give me a spanking. He said, if you don't take the spanking, I'm going to expel you from school. I said, you don't have to expel me from school. I quit. You, know, you can't expel me. I quit. Here I was a senior in high school, liked about two years graduating, two months, and I walked off and I went home. You know, I mean, I'm a big boy. I'm 18 years old. You know, I got the world by the tail, you know. I think I know everything anyway. Who needs school? You know, so, you know, that's how dumb we are. You know, I mean, unfortunately, I was pretty stupid. So anyway, I left and I went home and my dad, which only had a third grade education, he said, son, what are you doing here? I said, well, um, I quit school. He said, oh, no, you didn't. 
I said, Dad, I've learned all I need to know. I told him what happened. I said, that guy wants to give me a spanking for doing something I didn't do. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to quit. He said, no, you're not, son. He said, he said, in the world that you live in, he said, I have seen so many changes. He said, I have a third grade education. He said, I had to work in the fields to help support the family when I was young. He said, your mother had to teach me how to read and had to teach me how to do math. He said, if she hadn't have done that, I would have not been able to make it. He said, that's not going to happen to you because the world you live in is changing so rapidly. He said, you're going to have to have a whole lot more education than you got. He said, you're going to have to go back to school. I said, Dad, I ain't taking that whipping. He went up there. He said, let's go back to school. We went up to the school. And the, the, guy, the, the guy that was there that I'd had the problem with, my dad and I went and sat down with him and we talked to him. And my dad told the man, said, my son does not realize the importance of being in school, but he needs to finish school. He said, now, he says he didn't do what you accused him of. And, and he said, well, I know he did because somebody told me he did. My dad said, you didn't see him do it? He said, no, I didn't see him, but somebody else told me he did it. And he said, my son does not lie. He tells me he did not do that. If he tells me he did not do that, he didn't do it. He said, I have faith in my son. Well, that really helped me a lot. The guy said, well, he's not coming back unless he takes a whipping. Dad looked at me and said, son, I said, I ain't taking that whipping. He said, okay. He stood up and he said, you can beat me if you want to. I'll take it for him. I looked at that and I said, okay, Dad, I'll take it. The guy said, in this case, I won't do it. So he allowed me to come back to school, and I graduated from high school. And when I got out of high school, Dad says, Son, you need to go to college. <clears throat> I said, Dad, I've got 12 years of school. I am fed up with school. I am never going to need anything else. I know everything I need to know. I'm never going to need to go back to school again. And so... I didn't for several years, and of course, then I went off to Vietnam, and when I got in the military, they made me go to school, and they taught me some new things that was very interesting, and I thought, wow, there may be a few things out here that I don't know after all. <clears throat> and so then I decided when I got out of the military to go back to school, but this time I went back, and I was paying the bill, and I went back to master every subject I took. And so I tried my best as I went to school the next few years to master everything they had to teach me. And even though I made in the low and high 90s in everything, and a lot of the final tests I mastered, made perfect scores on them, I wanted to learn everything they had to teach me in school. Well, that paid great dividends in my life. But nothing has paid the dividends like studying this book to master this book. Now, I realize that I have a daddy that sent his son to take my beating for me when I wasn't willing to take it. I couldn't have paid it anyway. There was no way. But he loved me and you enough to send his own son to pay a price that we couldn't pay, and he took the beating when we was not willing to do it and couldn't and wouldn't have under no conditions. He did it so you and me can be here today. 
That's a pretty big God. And I understand that because my daddy loved me enough that he was willing to let another man beat him instead of me since I wouldn't take it if he had let me finish high school. I'm telling you, you have no idea the impact that had on me. I mean, that, that had an impact beyond my wildest dreams. Now, I look back and think, Daddy, my dad was willing to take that for me. But he trusted me. He believed in me. He, he knew when I told him something, I had never lied to my dad. My dad never lied to me. He always told me the truth. He never joshed with me. He never joked with me. He was always very serious. When he told me something, I knew it was the truth. Well, by having a father like that and him being there all the time, I've learned that this father loves me as much as my daddy did, only much more. And he told me exactly, he warned me of many things in this book. He said, I love you so much, son. I want to warn you of things that's going to happen in your life. I want to warn you about people that's going to come into your life. And they're going to want to be a part of your life. And they're going to teach you things to do things that does not agree with my teaching. I want you to study my word. I want you to learn my word. I want you to get in it. I want you to read it. I want you to pray over it. I want you to ask me to reveal myself to you in this book. Well, I begin to read the book and study the book. And never, ever, ever, ever did I ever expect to hear that authoritative or audible voice of God. Because when I started this, although I'd been in church all of my life, I had never heard of an individual in my life, never, had anybody ever said, God spoke to me. He told me to do this. I mean, if you're in church all the time, if God was speaking to people, you would think somebody would tell you if they heard God's voice, wouldn't you? But they don't. The reason they don't is because so many of the men that are standing up here never hear from God. I mean, I have heard, I have ministered with pastors. Some of them have been in big ministries for years and years, and they've never heard the authoritative voice of God. So if you haven't heard it, don't feel bad. You're not by yourself. You know, God doesn't speak to everybody audibly. Now, he does some. Only he knows how he speaks to people. Uh, I was talking to a gentleman here in this church the other day, and I won't call his name. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me telling you this story, but I won't call his name because one day he might want to tell you the story himself. But he said the first time I told a story about how God spoke to me, he didn't have a problem with it at all. You know why? Because he said he was leaving work one day, and he was approaching a green light. And as he approached the light, he thought, oh, it's green, so I'll just go right on through. And he said, all of a sudden, I felt something tap me on the shoulder and say, look to your left. And he said, I heard, I've heard that voice, and I felt that tap on my shoulder. He said, I immediately turned to the left, and there was a big truck coming down the road. He said, I slammed on the brakes, slid right up to the intersection as a truck 50 miles an hour went right straight in front of me. Now, who do you think that was? The devil tapped him on the shoulder? No, it was God. It sent an angel, and he said, I've heard God's voice twice in my entire life. You know, this man's lived more than half of his life, more than likely. 
And he had only heard God's voice twice. You know, so if you've never heard it, you know, don't feel slighted. He will talk to you someday when it's necessary. But if you want to hear his voice, all you've got to do is get in the Word. When you get in the Word, the Lord knew that day if he didn't speak to this man, if he didn't touch him and say, look to your left, he would have pulled right out because he had a green light. And he knew he would have been killed that day, and he was not through with his son. He has a purpose for him down the line. And so when God does that to you, all you can do is be grateful and thankful that he just saved your life. Right? So he does speak, and he does talk to us, and we can feel those touches at times. But I never dreamed I'd ever get to hear a voice like that. But I now have heard it many times. And, of course, as I've told you many times, when I needed to hear that voice the worst, whenever I lost my family, when my granddaughter was laying over there on her deathbed, and everything, I, if I ever needed to hear from God, I needed a word from God. And he was totally silent. He would not speak to me at all. But yet I could hear his voice any time I wanted to by quoting the word. And I went to the Word. And that's all I had was the Word. And that's why whenever Sid Roth, when we made that story, he said, you mean to tell me you had the faith to tell them to go ahead and unplug your granddaughter and you guarantee them that she would live on it is written? I said, yes. And that's what I did. And God honored it was written. I was hearing his voice. That was him talking. Well, today he's talking to us. He's warning us. He's telling us what to expect in these last days. Because these kind of things happen all the time we're going to talk about today. It says Jude. Greetings from Jude. This letter is from Jude. A slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who are called to live and the love of God. That's what who he's writing to. You. We are called to live in the love of God. We're not to live out there in a hatred. We're to live in the love of God. We are to be examples of God's love. We're to live in the love of God the Father and of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and the care of Jesus Christ. May you receive more and more of God's mercy, peace, and love. May you receive more and more. Of that love, because if you if you if you're being merciful and walking in peace and doing what God says, that's how you're going to receive more and more of His mercy and peace. Now, if you're not willing to live in mercy, you're not willing to live in peace, you're not willing to obey the Word, then these things won't happen to you. You have to be willing and obedient to live in that love. You have to show mercy to those that need mercy. You have to be able to be a peacemaker. You've got to walk in peace if you want this mercy and peace to come to you and this love. Because we're going to reap what we sow. If we don't sow these things, we're not going to reap these things. Now, you can't expect to go out there and live in discord, being mean to people, not walking in love, not walking in peace, if, and not walking in the God kind of love. And then you expect that to come back to you from God. It's not going to happen. He's clearly told you, whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. So, if you're sowing mercy, if people need it, 
Give it to them. Then when you need it, it'll come back to you. If you're living in peace, then when you, you will experience peace in your life. If you're a peacemaker, you can learn to walk with God and you can live in a magnificent place with God. A place of peace, a place of love, a place of mercy. That's where all of us want to live. But are you willing to live there toward other people the same way? If you are, then that's what will come back to you. Now, you can, you can be the lovingest, kindest peacemaker it appears there ever was in church. And then you can walk out that door and get in your car and you can be a little hellion, you know. And God knows because you take him with you. So if you're not willing to live in that kind of love and peace and mercy outside of the doors of the church, you're not going to be able to walk in it yourself. You're not going to be able to receive it because you're going to reap what you sow. So I had a nephew, or I have a nephew. He's still alive, a young man. He's in his 40s. But he has trouble reading. And he went to a Bible study class there in his hometown and one time he was going regularly, and then one day when I was down there, he didn't—he wasn't going to go to church on Sunday. I said, well, I said why, are you going, why aren't you going to church? Oh, he said, Uncle Thurman, I, I, I quit going. I said, why? He said, because they asked me to read, and I don't want to read. I said, well, did you tell them you have trouble reading? He said, well, they know that. He said, you know, they can tell when I try to read that I don't read well. And so he said, I, I'm not going back. I said, son, you know why? He said, you know, they know so they could skip me. I said, son, you know why they ask you to read? He said, well, I said, because they love you. And they don't want to leave you out. They know that you can't read well, but they're kind of ashamed or maybe or they're afraid to just ask you, do you want to read or do you not want to read? Because they don't want to make you feel bad. I said, these boys are trying to love you. I said, you go back to that Sunday school class. I said, you repent right now and tell God you're sorry you got out of Sunday school. I said, you go back over there. When you walk in that class, you tell that teacher, you know I don't read very well. So if you ask people to read in this class, you just skip over me. I don't want to read. And I said, he'll say, okay. And so a few months later, I was back down there again. And he was in class and that Sunday. And I saw him. And I said, well, how's it going? He said, Uncle Thurman, you were absolutely right. He said, when I told the teacher I didn't want to read... He said, well, I, I, I didn't know whether to ask you or not, but I didn't want to skip you. I didn't want to. I knew you have terrible trouble reading, but said, I didn't want to not include you in the group. He said, I didn't want to make you feel bad. So said, I didn't know what to do. See, the man loved him, see. He didn't know what to do. And he would never get him off to the side and say, son, would you like to read or do you not want to read? He, he didn't even want to talk to him because he was afraid he would intimidate him and hurt him. See, so I said, you tell him. And he did. And so he said, now then, when they, when they do ask somebody to read, you know, he'll just skip over me. You know, he won't ever ask me to read. In fact, one time he said, you know, so-and-so, he said he don't want to read. And so said, I'm not going to ask him to read no more. So you don't think I'm missing him. He told me he didn't want to read. So he said, he goes to that class, and boys love him, and he couldn't even drive a car. And so some of the boys started coming out the house and getting him every Sunday to break him, take him to Sunday school. Hey, boys in the church, you know, real boys in the church, they love people. You know, we don't know how to love. We, we think we do, but we really don't. You know, sometimes just sitting down and talking about it will change everything. You know, but love and peace and mercy, when we show that, we're going to grow in that and it's going to come back to us. Hey, 
But my nephew almost let the devil get through to him, see? Who do you think it was talking to him? Oh, these boys don't love you. Oh, you know, they know you can't read, but, you know, they're just making fun of you. So those were the thoughts that were coming to his mind. The enemy, he's a beast, isn't he? Sure, he's a beast. But see, you've got to learn who he is and how he works. And when you do, you can overcome the beast. You know, I mean, he's a pushover. Once you learn who the devil is and once you learn he's defeated and that God's in total control, and as long as you walk in obedience to his word, that's what the Lord says in that Psalm 91 that we sing about a while ago. When you get on down in Psalm 91, you'll find that you can walk right through the terror of the day. The arrows that are shooting said, you shall see the reward of the wicked at your right and left hand, but it shall not come near you. See, so if you're walking in obedience to the word, the devil can be out there doing his thing, shooting them fiery darts and they're going right by you. In fact, he may pull back that air to shoot somebody and you walk between that somebody. And when he does that, angel will say, whoop, 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 stop right there. Wait till he gets by. You walk right by, that air goes right behind your head, but he gets somebody else. It don't hit you. Because when you're walking in obedience to God's Word, he says those errors cannot touch you. Your shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the devil that's fired at you. So when you really get a hold of this, you don't have to go around saying, you know, I've been rebuking the devil all day. He's at my house all day. Hey, if you're walking in obedience to God's Word, if you're having to rebuke the devil all day long, you need to stop and say, God, where did I mess up? Why is this beast at my house? What did I do wrong? And then he will reveal to you, like Ty was saying, there will be a little thought come into you. I mean, you won't hear a voice, but a little thought when your spirit communicates with you, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit and your spirit will communicate with your mind, there will be a thought come to your mind of something you might have done wrong. I mean, it might have been last week or last month or last year. Some little something. It might just be a word. It might just be Janie. You say, Janie? Where'd that come from? I ain't thought of her in five years. Oh, Janie, that's that girl I used to couldn't stand. Why do you think God brought that name back to your mind? You need to repent. You need to get right. That's what's opening the door for the devil to come and torment you. You say, Janie, man, man, I, why? I ain't thought of her in ten years. Why in the world would I ever think about her? I can't stand that woman. That's why she came back to your mind. You was not walking in that God kind of love. And then somebody said, you ever hear God's voice? Nope, I ain't never heard it. Never. Yeah, you heard it a lot of times. You just wasn't willing to do what he said. You know, especially whenever it's something that you don't want to do. You know, you may be, you may be living with somebody out of uh, wedlock. And you might hear a thought, something that says, sin, adultery. You say, where's that come from? No, 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 God, that couldn't be me. It's okay. I know you understand. You know, since Jesus came, I can do anything I want to, and I know that once I got saved, I'm okay. I can just live any way I want to, and one day when I die, I'm going to get to come home to be in view in heaven. Let's see what the Word says about that. Let's go a little further here. The dangers of false teachers... Dearly loved friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. 
Now, those of us that are born-again believers that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we share in this magnificent salvation, this free gift that the Lord has paid the price for all of us. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the truth of the good news. Well, I mean, we need to be doing that all right. But most of us don't know enough about the good news to defend it. But if you know enough, you will pray and you will do things, and then the Lord will give you the ability, just like that testimony Ty said this morning about Cheryl's out doing spiritual warfare. She's up and he's praying and he's doing everything. And through all that, they got the opportunity to pray and share the good news with a young man that had a problem. Then it says, God gave this unchanging truth once for all time to his holy people. Now, we're supposed to be a group of holy people. We're not supposed to be living in sin. We're supposed to be holy. He told us over and over and over from the Old Testament to the New Testament, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, if you don't know what holy is, you know, then you've got a problem. And some people think they can be holy just because they go to church on Sunday. But that won't make you holy. It is a choice you make every day out of every decision you make. Am I going to make the right decisions? Just like, for instance, when God says, husbands, love your wives. Are you going to love her at church? Or are you going to love her seven days a week? You know, are you going to do that? I and mean, some guys say, well, yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm really careful with my wife when I'm at church because I want everybody to think I really love her. You know. But whenever I get out of here and I start home, I read her the riot act and tell her what I thought. Hey. <laughs> Well, if you want to be sick, just keep it up. Then he says, I saw this, I say this, because some godless people have wormed their way in among you. Now, see, we have godless people that worm their way in among us. Well, let's see what these godless people have to say. They're saying that God's forgiveness allows us to live immoral lives. Have you ever heard that in church? Somebody said, well, God understands. You know, I went down and got saved. You know, I made Jesus my Savior when I was 15 years old, when I was a teenager. But, you know, all the guys and gals, they're running around drinking and, and drugging. And, I mean, they're sleeping together. You know, this free love deal. You know, I mean, God, He understands. After all, that's what He sent Jesus for, to pay the price for my sin. He does understand. And He did send Jesus to pay the price for your sin. But when you accepted him and got saved, you're supposed to become a different person. You're supposed to stop this nonsense. Because he says, the fate, now these are people that are telling you it's okay to live in these things and do these things. But it says, the fate of such people was determined long ago, for they have turned against our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So when you hear somebody that teaches anything that's contrary to the Word of God, they got a problem. A real problem. I told you a story yesterday in the healing school that I wouldn't want to be this pastor at all, but I was asked to come to minister to a young woman in her 40s that had cancer. She was very sick. And when I went over there, I had to fly over to another city, and then I had to drive two hours to get to her. And when I went, when I got there, the message, when we went, there's another man went with me, and when we went to her house and found her house, we went in, sat down with her and talked with her. And she said, you know, 
She's, I'm on staff at this big Baptist church here in this city. And she said, when I come down and got so sick that I couldn't be at work, I was st- sitting at home and I was reading God's Word. And she said, one day I came upon this magnificent promise of James 5, 14, 15, and 16. She said, I read this verse over and over and over. And I thought, this is a promise from my God to heal me. And she was just within a week of dying at this point. I mean, she was nearly at the end of her life. She said, I went to my pastor. I called him and asked him to come to see me. And he did. My senior pastor. Big church. And she said, Pastor, look at what God says in James 5.14. He said, I know that's there. She said, well, I want want the elders, I want some of the deacons, I want you to call them. And I want you all to pray with me and anoint me with all because I want to live. He said, we don't do that in this church. And he wouldn't do it. I prayed for the girl, but she still died. She didn't get well. I prayed for her, but this girl died. You know, isn't it a shame that I don't know what God was doing there, but Whenever a girl finds a word, you think she found that word just accidentally? No, there's no such thing. It's accidents. God led her there by divine appointment, and then she called her senior pastor, and he would not do what she requested about what was written in God's mighty word. I wouldn't want to be him one day when he stands before the king. But see, it says here there's going to be people that's going to worm their way in among us as pastors, as teachers. And look what it says there. It said, these men are going to tell us that it's okay to live immoral lives. In other words, they're going to lie to us about a lot of things. They're going to tell us things that do not agree with the mighty word of the living God. And then he says here, I must remind you, and you know it well, that even though the Lord rescued the whole nation of Israel from Egypt. Now think about this. He brought the entire nation of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt and he brought them to the promised land. He later, he later, God later destroyed every one of those who did not remain faithful. Isn't that serious stuff? Although he brings you out of Egypt, He shows you the miracles. Did these people see any miracles? This is what astounds me. I mean, you know, today I hear people still say this all the time. Thurman, if you'll come over and pray for me with my cancer and God will heal me, it will change everybody in my family and they'll all get saved. I said, don't bet on it. What do you mean? I mean, if they see me raised up, they'll know that he's God. I said, no, 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 no. I said, that's not what brings faith. Seeing miracles. I said, I can go back. I said, your little healing of cancer and you get well. You think that's going to change people? I said, I have seen people. I mean, I've had, a, I've had doctors tell me. I've got a living granddaughter that some of the finest doctors in Cook's Medical Center with diagnosis guaranteed her brain stem was severed and her eyes were disconnected. And I have had doctors come to this church to tell me, I heard about this, and i got to hear it from you. Did this really happen? And I said, yes, sir. It's documented. And he said, I don't believe it. 
I've had doctors tell me that. I don't believe it. There was a wrong diagnosis. Her eyes were not disconnected. Her brain stem was not severed because there ain't no way a little girl could be alive today if the brain stem was severed. I said, sir, you don't know my God. You don't know my Jesus. I've had them tell me that. Now, what's wrong with this? I mean, so you see it. And I've heard many people tell me, you know, there was a wrong diagnosis. That little girl didn't have her brain stem severed. You know, I mean, you didn't walk into that hospital and lay hands on all them kids and they all get healed. You know, it's amazing how quick you can forget what God does. You know that? It's amazing. So the children of Israel, they were called out of Egypt and they were living under bondage. And God showed them miracle after miracle after miracle. And he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And this is something else that ought to just astound you. Right now in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, let's say there's four million people. That's approximately how many people God brought out of Egypt. Three to four million. There was over 600,000 adult males. And all those adult males were 20 years of age or older. And they had wives, most of them. So if we had 600,000 men... And 600,000 wives, that's 1.2 million just adult males. And those people back in those days had anywhere from one to a dozen children. I mean, it's over and over and over. So, you know, we had a massive number of people. Three or four million could be a small number, really. You know, it could have been far more than that. We don't know. God just told us how many adult males he brought out. Okay, so let's say we just rounded off to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. That's all we got. Just a little group of people like the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And Moses is bringing this herd out, and they get to see all these mighty miracles and everything. And he feeds them and waters them and everything and brings them up to the land of promise and says, Now then, guys, and he brings them up to the Red Sea you know, and opens the sea, and they walk across on dry ground. I realize that's just a little insignificant miracle. We see those kind of things every day, don't we? No, not hardly. Not hardly. But God showed those people mighty things. And then He brought them up to the land of promise and said, Go in and pursue it. Take it, and I will go with you. And they said, We can't do it. We can't do it. Now, does seeing miracles produce faith? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, there's not a single one of in this room has ever, ever, ever seen anything like that. I don't care who you are. You have never seen a miracle like those children of Israel saw when God brought them out of the land of Egypt. We have never seen anything. There's nothing paralleled to that in the world today. Never has he done anything like that again. But, yes, once in a while, you know, you'll sit there on TV. Like one day I walked into a friend of mine's house at the Church of Christ. He goes to church all the time. I mean, you know, he supposedly loves God. I walked in and he was watching Benny Hinn. His wife opened the door and I walked in. He didn't know I was there. And I walked in. I stood there a minute. And I said, oh, praise God. I said, what do you think about that? Oh, he said, you know, I wonder how much they paid them guys to get out of them wheelchairs. I said, what do you mean paid them guys to get out of them wheelchairs? I said, that's real. That's God. He said, no, Thurman, that's a fake. He said, God don't do those kind of things no more. He said, quit doing that with the apostles. Isn't that a shame? Seeing it on television and immediately the devil hits our mind and says, that's not real. You know, so instead of checking it out and going to a place. Now, 
There is a young man I talked to personally that worked for James Robinson. I wish I could remember his name. He was in a wheelchair. He got worse and worse and worse, and he got down to finally to where he couldn't walk. I've talked to him personally on the telephone. He called me one day to tell me something, and when he did, he told me about his miracle. He said, I don't tell everybody about this, but said, I, I, I know you'll believe this. I said, well, sure, I believe God did a miracle for you. What did he do? And he told me about how he got sick and sicker and sicker. And he was a very sports active young man. I mean, he could do anything. And he had been involved in big time sports. And now all of a sudden, he's in a wheelchair. He can't walk. He can't do nothing. His wife's having to help him do everything. And he said, I mean, he said, I really don't even believe much in God. He said, I'm going to church, but I ain't much of a believer. You know, so that is allowing the devil to come into his life because he's not putting God first. So anyway, as he got sicker and sicker and sicker and finally couldn't walk, couldn't hardly do nothing, one day he said, I think it was his father-in-law, came to him and said, you know, I want to take you to a healing crusade. There's going to be a healing crusade in Dallas. He said, no, I don't believe in them things. I ain't going. So he said, they finally enticed me to go. And said, I had no idea it was a Benny Hinn crusade, or I sure wouldn't have went. Because he said, I didn't believe this stuff. He said, when I got there, it was a Benny Hinn crusade. So he said, I'm sitting over there, and I'm in my wheelchair, and I'm kind of bound. So I'm just listening to the worship and praise and everything, and everybody's singing and doing everything. He said, in a minute, a woman looked over there and pointed her finger at me and started walking toward me. And said, I watched her. She walked up. She walked right up to me. And she said, today is your miracle. Get up out of that wheelchair and walk in the name of Jesus. And I said, woman, I can't get up. I can't walk. Did he have any faith? No. None whatsoever. And she kept on with him. said, unstrap him. Get him out of that wheelchair. A couple of you guys, get him up. He says, woman, I can't walk. My legs don't work. He says, get him up. She said, two big men come up there and grabbed hold of him and picked him up. He said, she said, walk. He said, woman, I can't walk. She said, would you just put one foot in front of the other for me? He said, I can't walk. He said, okay, you can't walk, but you just, would you try to move one foot in front of the other one? He said, Finally, somebody reached out my leg and reached up, said, put it out there. He said, okay, one's out there. She said, okay, somebody do the other one. He said, I can't walk. Somebody does this. They're holding him up. He says, woman, I can't walk. Would you all please leave me alone? And somebody picked up and put another. He said, after they did that about three times, he said, all of a sudden, it's like a lightning bolt hit me in the back of the head. Boom! He said, I threw up both hands and I screamed. He said, I jumped out of those people's arms and I ran around the stadium three times before I stopped. He said, now I'm telling you, you can tell the average person that sermon and they don't believe it. But he said, that happened to me. Now, God had a plan for that man. And today, that man, I guess, unless he's moved on somewhere else. This has been a few years ago when I talked to him at the time. He was working for James Robertson's ministries. But he said, you know, I don't tell that story to very many people. Because most people don't believe it when I tell them. And it happened to me. Isn't that a shame? In the church, we ought to be giving God the glory. I mean, James Robertson ought to have that guy on his set every once in a while telling that magnificent story about what God did for him. Isn't it a shame that we... 
But you know why they don't do that? Because they know that that does not bring forth faith. See, that man didn't have any faith. You know, if it hadn't been for that woman and her faith, that daughter of God that was out there and people were making fun of them, you know, well, I mean, people, lots of people will come to a Benny Hinn crusade and laugh and make fun of them. Yeah. Isn't that a shame? It's a wonder God does anything for us. You know it? It's amazing what we don't believe. But God is still in the miracle working business. And even though I, I can imagine the people that watched that scene that day, I mean, think of how many people was around him that saw that. And I wonder what some of them said. They probably went home and said, hey, you're not going to believe what I saw. They had paid some guy to come up in a wheelchair. Do you know this? I mean, there's people that, I mean, just like, the, just like this friend of mine, he's sitting there watching this on television saying, that stuff's not real. I wonder how much they pay them people to get out of them wheelchair. I said, but that is real. No, it's not. I mean, that don't happen. I said, well, if you don't, I said, you've known me a while? Oh, yeah, I've known you about 20, 30 years. I said, let me tell you a few things God's done for me. And when I got through talking to him and telling him some of the little miracles, nothing like that, but some little miracles and answers to prayer that were very significant. He looked at me and said, Thurman, I've known you a long time. I don't believe you lie. But he said, I believe you've kind of lost it now. I believe you've kind of lost it. See, I mean, I'm a friend of his. I mean, it's not like I met him yesterday. I've known this guy for 20 years. And now then all of a sudden he don't believe. But that's just like one of my own cousins that raised up in the Baptist church. Years ago, when I went down to Corpus Christi and had prayed over that woman and saw that woman get up off her deathbed with breast cancer and completely instantly healed. I went to a family reunion that year. When I walked in, one of my cousins, which was several years older than me, in fact, this year he just deceased to go home to be with the Lord, but I walked in and he called me Sonny. That's the way he'd known me since I was just a kid. Some of them used to call me Sonny when I was a kid at home. He said, hey, Sonny. What's good, what's good happening in your life? I said, man, it's awesome. I said, God doing some wonderful things. He said, what? God doing some wonderful things? I said, yeah. He said, like what? I said, man, let me tell you what just happened. I said, just a few months ago, I went down to Corpus Christi, a woman on her deathbed. She had breast cancer for two years, and I prayed the prayer of faith for her, kicked that devil of hell out of her in the name of Jesus. And the woman got off her deathbed and was instantly healed and went with me to the airplane and then come back and had a fried uh, shrimp dinner. His wife looked at me and said, okay, sonny. Now, she told us that lie. She said, if you, you think I'm going to believe that, i got some moon property. Now, tell us something that's real. Wow. These are my own cousins that have known me forever. And they don't believe it. You want to know why we don't get nothing from God? Because we don't believe this wonderful book. We don't believe the king can do these things. Well, let me tell you, he can do these things. And the reason you don't do them very often is because we are living in such unbelief and we're listening to those that are worming their way in among us to teach us a lie. They're teaching us these miracles went away. They don't happen no more. God doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't do anything. He would never chasten you or punish you, if you want to say that, with sickness and disease if you're disobedient. Oh, yes, He will. Oh, yes, he will. He says, what did he do to them? Those children of Egypt that didn't believe, what did he do to them? Did he bless them? 
No, he destroyed them. And none of them entered his rest. If none of them entered his rest, where do you think they went? Ooh, that's scary, isn't it? So, over in the Word of God, Paul tells us, so be careful. You know, don't go there. If he didn't save them and you're grafted in, you better be careful. Because we need to walk in obedience. Then he says here, he says, after he says that, he says, he, uh, they destroyed every one of those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority that God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. Just think, even the angels have been given the ability to make a wrong choice. God gave them a freedom, just like He did you and me. See, He doesn't make robots. He doesn't make us out of a rubber stamp. He makes every one of us unique, and He gives every human being on the earth a choice that you can either walk in obedience to His Word, or you can walk in disobedience to His Word. He don't care. Yes, He does care. But He's made a set of rules, and if you walk in obedience to His rules, He tells you what He'll do. And if you walk in disobedience to His rules, He also tells you what He'll do. I don't like the part where you walk in disobedience. I don't like to be chastened by God. And I sure don't want to die and go to hell when I get through here on this earth. I want to go to heaven to be with Him. But if He will discipline angels when they disobey and put them in prison and chain them up, what do you think He'll do to us if we disobey? He tells us. He says, So God has kept them chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the day of judgment. In other words, the angels that disobeyed, or the King James says they left their first estate. In other words, they put God to the test. And here's the way I see this scenario. One day, Satan's out there. He's fell. He's been thrown out of heaven. So now he tells some of his angels, these spirits, he said, Boys, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. They said, But God said we're not supposed to do this. He said, I know, but he doesn't mean what he says. So I want you to do this. And so they did it. And when they did it, God had given them a limit to where they could go. This is as far as you can go. You can do this. And they disobeyed. And when they disobeyed, it says, And God took them and chained them and put them in prisons of darkness. And although they're being chained right now and waiting the day of judgment, their judgment has not come. They're just in prisons in a place of torment suffering, chained up, waiting for the judgment that's going to come when they're going to be cast into the lake of fire to suffer forever. In other words, it's not suffering, I guess, to be chained in prisons of darkness, huh? How would you like to be chained in prisons of darkness? Let me tell you, some of the guys that I knew in Vietnam found out what it was like to be chained in a prison of darkness. One of the generals that we had over there, this guy, had, he was a Christian. And when he was in Korea, North Korea, he got shot down. And he asked God to get him out of that mess. And he said, Lord, if you'll get me out of this mess and I live with no problems, he said, I will put you first and serve you forever. So God got him out of it. And he got out. But when he went to Vietnam, he was still, a, I think he was a one or a two-star general at that time. <clears throat> 
He quickly forgot his promise to God. And he was flying one of the airplanes I worked on, an F-105. And he got hit. And the minute he got hit, he was only like 30 miles from the ocean. And they were coming back in off of a mission, and a missile hit him. And he could not get away from this thing. It hit him, and it blew blew up a section of his airplane, and he thought... I just got 30 miles. Surely I can get there. And then I can punch out and they come get me in shopper because I don't want to land out here because there's Viet Cong all over the place underneath me. I don't want to land down there. He said, Lord, please help me to get out of this. And the Lord told him, you made me a promise before and you didn't keep it. And so his airplane took a nosedive and he punched out. And they picked him up, and he spent seven years in the most hell that you can imagine. He, told, he says, I was, I was chained up in a place of pitch dark, in a hole that I was, I was standing, and the chains and the grips around my wrist were so tight, they had cut me all the way to the bone. And he said, I had to stand I think it was either 10 or 12 days he stood. No sleep. And he was in agony. And after all those days, he said, I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I know I'm here. I deserve everything you're doing to me because I was disobedient. I didn't do what I promised you I'd do when you got me out of North Vietnam. But he said, Lord, he said, I'm. So sorry for everything I've done. He said, Lord, my life will be different when I get out of this, if you let me live. He knew he was guilty. But after standing all those days and those things, cut into his arms and cut into his legs, the bone was showing. And they tormented the fool out of him. One night, he said, Lord, I can't stand it no longer. I have got to sleep. And he said, I knew when I passed out to sleep, I was going to fall at the end of those chains that were going to cut deeper into my arms and my legs. And he said, I just passed out. And he said, when I hit the floor, all those chains just snapped off of me just like that. Every one of them. Is God merciful? Let me tell you, he went through hell on earth in that seven years over there in that what he calls the Hanoi Hilton. You know, it was awful. But you know what that man's doing today? I mean, he's serving God. I mean, he's on fire for Jesus. He forgot very easy the first time when he made God a promise. But God don't take lightly your promises. And he remembers them well. Don't make him a promise. I'll do something unless you mean it. Because if you don't mean it and you turn your back on him... You will, just like the general, you will suffer your consequences. And let me tell you, he paid dearly, dearly. But after repentance, and he that night, what do you think happened when he fell? Instead of those things cutting all, he knew they were going to cut this awful. Because they already had, I mean, bone was showing everywhere he sat on his arms and his legs, where they had him chained up. They had beat him. You couldn't, I wouldn't even, you couldn't even imagine what this guy suffered. What they did to him over there. But when he passed out, as he went crashing to the floor, when he hit the floor, he said, I thought there's no pain. What happened? 
He thought he had died and went to heaven. But he said, I looked and all the chains had snapped off. So I was totally delivered. Hey, he paid his price. But don't listen to those voices that tell you to disobey God's word. Because there's a serious judgment that will fall. I mean, a serious judgment. He loves you with all his heart. But he is a God that means what he says. And he will do what he says. So just walk in love and do what he says and be blessed. That's what's so wonderful. All we got to do is obey. And when we obey, he blesses our socks off. Then he says here, Then he goes on down here a little further. He says that these men, and don't forget the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with sexual immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Now, these cities were destroyed by fire. He says, and are a warning of the eternal fire that will punish all who are evil. Now, did you know that I missed it for a long time? I thought if you were a Christian, even though you're living in sin, you wasn't evil. But you now know that's not true. You can be a Christian living in sin, and God sees you as evil. And if you're living in those kind of sins, that's why we have so much sickness and disease come upon us. But the Lord clearly tells us, if we repent and walk holy and obedient to His Word that no sickness and disease will come upon us. Walk in love. Now, one thing I've learned, you can tell me anything, but you can't lie to God about nothing. He knows your heart, and He's, he's testing us. He's trying us. He's proving us today, just like He did the children of Israel. You want to walk in obedience to His Word, and you want to be blessed? I think everybody in here would easily hold up their hand if I say, you want to be blessed by God? Everybody would throw their hand up. Yes, I want to be blessed by God. You want Him to heal all your problems? You want Him to keep you healed? In fact, I'm going to tell you, I don't never want to have to be healed again. I don't ever want to get sick again. Do you? Now then, if I walk in obedience to His Word, He promises me beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I will walk in obedience to His Word, I will never be sick again. Jesus promised that. He promised that in the New Testament, and He promised it in the Old Testament. If I will put Him first, if I will do what He says, if I will be obedient to Him. He clearly says that no sickness and no disease will come upon me. But look, I want to take you one other place here. I didn't realize it's already uh, 4 o'clock. It's amazing how quick time goes by when you're having fun. I mean, I just, I just can't believe, you know, that I've already been teaching the Word of God for almost an hour and a half. It feels like five minutes to me. But anyway, I don't know where it went. But anyway, let's, uh, there's, something, there's something that I wanted uh, to touch on here in this I think is uh, so awesome. Uh, and I want to go over uh, about verse 17. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ told you. That in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to enjoy themselves in every evil way imaginable. Now they are here. These men are here. They live by natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit living in them. 
They live by natural instincts. They worm their way in among us. They try to get us to, to feel sorry for them, to do things, to tell us lies, you know, to get us to walk in disobedience to God's Word. I'll just come on down to the... Uh, come on down to the Hilton Hotel tonight and let's just have a party. You know, we'll just serve a little beer and wine and all that stuff. But you know it's okay. If you get drunk, it's okay. You know, and you might accidentally pick up a real nice girl down there, you know, that you could take out with you tonight. The reason I made that statement with you, we were invited to dinner last night by a beautiful lady for dinner at a beautiful hotel. And we had a beautiful, wonderful dinner and everything. But when I walked out of that place... I saw women all over the place that didn't glorify God, let me tell you. I walked out there last night. I saw skin. I mean, you can't imagine what was there. And I'm going to tell you, I made a statement last night. I said, if the rapture occurred, I wonder what would be left in this hotel. But I'm going to tell you, I think most of them would have been left. That's amazing that you walk into a place, a big, expensive place like that, have a beautiful meal. A beautiful lady invites you to dinner. You have a beautiful time, and you start to leave. And, wow, the women. I mean, they were all over the place. Young women. And, I mean, you didn't have to even, I mean, you couldn't not see what they were. I mean, when, when you run right straight into a woman, and she's got it cut plumb down to here, and everything but the nipples are hanging out, you can't help but see that. Or your skirts are right here. You know, that don't bring no glory and honor to God. Do you know why? That's why we as men need to not take place in a place like that. You know, we need to be somewhere where people are dressing godly women. Because those women, I can tell you for sure, those women, if I'd have asked them if they were Christians, and I didn't have the time to ask them, but I want to tell you that there's not a woman I saw done a dress like that last night. If they'd have told me there's a Christian... If I'd have asked her, and she said, yes, I'm a Christian, I said, young woman, get yourself home right now and put on some clothes. You know? I mean, I'd tell them. They need to bring glory and honor to God. They don't need to show their rear ends, and they don't need to show their breasts to the whole world. God didn't make them for that. But boy, there was a bunch of them down there last night flaunting it, I'll say that. And some of the words and things they were saying. Cheryl went to the bathroom. She said, well, I was in the bathroom. Other women, she said, I heard some of the most foul words you can imagine. Those women were using foul words in the bathroom. Isn't that that amazing? People got all kinds of money. I mean, boy, it costs money to go to that place. I mean, I just can't imagine, you know. But some of them got money. But that money ain't going to save them. They better enjoy what they're doing right now. Because if they don't come to know Jesus, they ain't going to get there. They're not going to get to go know Jesus. They believe the lie today that it's okay to live in this kind of lifestyle and this kind of sexual sin and all this kind of stuff. But God says this is not true. It's not true. He says here, as we go on down here, but you, dear friends, must continue to build your lives on the foundations of of your holy faith. And continue to pray as you are directed by the Holy Spirit. I see Ty was talking to you a while ago. And Cheryl both the Holy Spirit does speak to us. 
You may not hear an audible voice, but if you get in this Word, He will put things on your heart, and you've got to learn to listen to these words. You will be directed by the Holy Spirit. He will talk to you. He says, live in such a way that God's love can bless you as you wait for the eternal life that our Lord Jesus Christ, in His mercy, is going to give you. Show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Now then, if your faith is wavering, we want to be merciful to you. We want to tell you what the Word says. We want you to know that God really loves you and that He is here to meet your needs if you will walk in obedience to His Word. I mean, don't get out of faith. Don't get out of love because you haven't received your healing or your miracle yet. Stand in faith. You will receive it. You know, it may take time. And I mean, if, if you don't believe God will do this, if you're having a problem and you hadn't get, gotten healed in the last 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, then you need to take a copy of that sickness of satanic oppression. The Dave Rosenfeld's testimony, how it took him over a year and a half to get healed. And you need to listen to that over and over and over and over and realize that if it took Dave over a year and a half to get healed and he was standing on God's Word, if you don't get it in a week, that doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Because he stood his ground, and today he's healed. And I mean, it's easy for Dave now when somebody says, Jesus, man, he throws up both hands. There they went, right back there. Praise God. But for a man been sick over 40 years, and now he's healed. Praise God. It's easy to praise God. You know, but he stood the test of time. And that's what we're not willing to do. We're not willing to stand the test of time. He stood the test of time. And now then, over a 40-year incurable disease, he is totally healed. And, and he's grateful for the, to the king for doing it. But the king taught him some great things in the process. I mean, he's driven him to the Word. And I can tell you for sure, he done more studying and more reading of the Word while he was sick. I mean, but now he didn't quit either. He's spending that time with God every day. You know why? He wants to stay healed. He don't want to be sick again. Now then, it says... Rescue others by rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. These are wells. These are still others, or there are still others to whom you need to show mercy. Well, listen to this. This is what jumped off the page at me. There are still others to whom you need to show mercy, but be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. You can be sucked in to something to minister to people. Like this young woman one time. She said, you know, I met a young man that he's the most wonderful boy. I said, is he a Christian? She said, well, not yet, but I'm taking him to church. I said, be careful. If he's not a Christian, you don't go anywhere with him in his world. I said, if he wants to come to church with you, you have a date with him, you come to church and you let him take you home, but you don't get out there in his world. Well, she said, well, he's living and he drinks a lot and he's doing some drugs. I said, first thing I can tell you to do is pray for him, bring him to church, 
And then if you're going to date him at all, you let him take you from here to the house and you stay inside and let him stay outside. Don't you let him come inside. I said, because you, as a young woman, you can be overcome by the forces of darkness very easy. But she said, I'm a very strong woman of faith. I said, you think you are. You think you are great and strong. But I said, you as a little young 18 or 19 year old girl, you have no idea the vulnerability of how you are vulnerable to the devil. I said, now you young lady, I said, if I was going to go out there with you or if I was going to minister to that young man, I know I'm not going to be contaminated with his sin. But I said, you are something else. You're young and you're vulnerable. And I said, your senses will overtake you if you're not careful. You need to be very careful. But I said, you need to stay away from this boy. I said, you will be contaminated with his sins. Now, see, she thought she was doing good, but she wouldn't listen. She went ahead and dated him. She went ahead and went to the places where he went. He went out with the friends he went out with. Now, she's a single Christian in amongst the boys and girls that are living in the world. And guess what happened to her? She got on drugs. They kept enticing her. I mean, you know, I mean, have you ever tried this? No, no. Oh, but this is so wonderful. Just smoke this joint. You know, you, it'll, it'll put you on something you just can't imagine. You'll love it. Or just try this drug. It'll put you in a place, oh, you won't, you'll not want to come down from here. You just, just try this. No. But she finally yielded. And when she did, she got addicted to some very powerful drugs. I don't know what happened to her. I've lost touch with her years ago. I don't have any idea what happened. What did the Lord tell you to do there? There are others to whom you need to show mercy. But be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. Now, if you send somebody out to show people mercy that's living in the pits of hell, you need to send somebody that's strong. You need to send a man and a woman together that are established in the Word of God. Don't send some young 18, 19, 20-year-old. Some young boy said, I got it together, Dad. I can handle this. I can go down there with my girlfriend. I know she likes to hang out in the bars, but I can go down there. I won't be contaminated. Yeah, big deal, Buster. When you come to me talking about down with drugs and alcohol or come down with some kind of venereal disease... And I need to be prayed for for healing. I've seen that. You have no idea how many times I've seen that. I had a man come right here in church just the other day. Man of God. Goes to church all the time. He said, you need to pray for me. I got to be prayed for. I said, you got your sins repented of? He said, yes, I have. I said, what's your problem? I said, you married? He said, no. I said, what's your problem? He said, do I have to tell you? I said, yeah. I want to know what I'm praying for. Okay, he said, get over here. I just want nobody to know this but you and me. Well, see, sometimes they don't want nobody to know, so that's why sometimes they want to drag me off to the side. He said, I caught a venereal disease. I said, oh, you're a son of God, and you've been down playing with the girls, huh? He said, yeah. I said, you knew it was wrong, didn't you? Yeah. 
I said, why did you do it? Uh, he said, I don't know. You know why he did it? He stopped being led by the Spirit, and he let his flesh drive him. When the flesh drives you, you cannot overcome the flesh with the flesh. There's only one thing can overcome it, and that's the Spirit of the living God. So if you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit will keep you free of those sins. Now, is God merciful? Yes, He is, and it sure is a good thing He is. Because if you repent of that sin and make God a promise, I won't never do that again, Lord, I'll walk holy in Your presence. He can heal you in five minutes, or He may take five days, or five weeks, or five months. But He's going to say, okay, we're going to find out. Okay, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you, but we're going to find out if you mean what you say. I'm going to leave this on you and the symptom for the next six months. And we're going to find out if you're willing to get in my word and worship me and praise me and, and call me in remembrance of my promises. Are you willing to do what Dave did back here with an incurable disease? Are you willing to get your word out? Are you willing to study my word? And you willing to stand on my word? Are you willing to walk holy and get rid of every sin and walk holy with no sin in your life? Let's see if you can do that. Well, he put Dave to the test for a year and a half. A year and a half. In fact, Yeshua told me, she said, Thurman, if we'd known it was going to take a year and a half, I don't know if we would have even started it. We had no idea it was going to be so intensive. But now then, praise God, it's worth it. Now then, he's sitting back there totally healed with a baby that's totally healed, and they're fixed to have a second one that's going to be totally healed. It was worth the price, wasn't it, Dave? Yes, it was worth the price. So if you've disobeyed God and you've come up with some kind of sickness and disease and you've repented of your sin, stand on His Word and walk holy in His presence and He will heal you. But whenever you get your healing, in the process of getting it, don't start grumbling and complaining. Lord, where are you? It's taking you a long time. He said, okay, you just put another month on it. And the next month you say, Lord, I don't believe you healed. He said, okay, I don't. I told you you had to believe me with no doubt in your heart, and you're not believing me. Now then, I'm not going to heal you because you stopped believing. Somebody said, God wouldn't do me like that. I can prove everything I'm saying from this book. Everything is exactly what he said. And if you will walk holy and obedient to his word, and you're willing to fight that fight of faith and stand the test and get rid of every sin, he has no respect to a person. He'll do the same thing to you he did to Dave. He'll heal you. But Dave didn't grumble and complain. He worshiped and praised the Lord. He got in this book. And I mean, he has become a different man. And I'm telling you, I don't know anybody that spends any more time than Dave does in the Word. I mean, he's reading it. He's studying it. And now his faith, guess what's happening to his faith? It's going mountain high. Where's he getting it? From the Word. He didn't get it because he saw God do a miracle. He's reading the book. And when you spend that time with God, you get in His Word and say, Lord, i got to have a word from you. He said, sure, I love you. I love you beyond your wildest dreams. You get in my book and you spend some intimate time with me and I will show you how much I love you. I will show you what I've done for you. But you said, well, God, I want it while I'm watching television. He said, I'm sorry, you can't have it. You can't be watching the football boys this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon or whenever you can't be doing that and God ain't going to show you nothing while you're watching football. You, you're totally entertaining the flesh. But it's good to entertain the flesh sometimes. Ty loves that too. I know when the Aggies play, he loves to entertain the flesh. And I'm sure he gets excited just like all the rest of you do. But he does spend his time with God too, see. 
That's the difference. God will let you watch a football game or He'll let you watch a show on television once in a while as long as you don't give Him one hour a day and the television eight hours a day. Now, that ain't going to work. Now, if you give God eight hours a day and then watch a one-hour television, as long as it's not one of them wicked ones. Of course, if you're spending eight hours a day in the Word, you ain't going to watch that wicked one. It ain't going to be long. You're going to be so holy from the Word that when you turn the TV on, if it's not something that will glorify God, you just ain't going to watch it. You are not going to watch it. You're going to get past that point. That's why people say, I can't believe how things are. But, you know, in our home out there where we are, we have no television sets turned on. You know, nobody out there gets to watch television. You know, like I said, we do have a television back in our little family room, but it only has a Christian channels hooked to it. We might watch that 30 minutes a month, maybe. But when we do turn it on, I don't think Cheryl's ever turned it on since we've been out there. I've turned it on two or three times and watched two or three little shows, 30 minutes something on Christian television, but that's all. I don't have time to watch television. If i got any spare minutes, I'm in studying the Word. Or I guess I might say, right lately, I've been studying about airplanes, too, quite a bit. <laughs> well, the Lord, Lord convicted me of that just as soon as I said that. Uh, I mean, just as soon as I said I'm studying the Word, He said, A and airplanes. I heard Him just as clear. <laughs> oh, Lord, okay. Thank you, Lord. But I've got to study about airplanes. I've got to get back up because when we go somewhere to minister and we're going to be doing that more and more, I know he wants us to be safe in that airplane. So he wants me to know what I'm doing flying that airplane. I mean, Keith is a pilot here and he flies airplanes. You had to study to learn how to fly them, right, Keith? Yeah, absolutely. He didn't learn how to fly them things just by going out there and getting in one one day. And none of us did. So we have to study. But I'm studying about those airplanes to take us places for the ministry so we can cut down on time. And I'm definitely not going to let that airplane become my God. This is my God. And I'm studying to see Him do these things, and I want to know Him better and better and better every day as I live. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I praise You and thank You for Your Word. Lord, help us as we go this week that we, as the body of Christ, will walk holy in Your presence. We will study Your Word. We'll be in obedience to your word. We'll do what you say. And, Lord, as we go, I want to thank you that those of us that have physical needs in our bodies, that we will pray for these people and you will meet their needs. And you will heal their physical bodies. You will deliver them. You will set them free. And then, Lord, as they walk holy in your presence, they won't even have to be concerned about the enemy no more because he won't come back. He will not be there. And then, Lord, let everything we do... Bring glory and honor to you. As we go this week, let us talk to people about Jesus. Let us walk with an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us so that anybody we come in contact with will come under conviction of the Holy Spirit of the living God. And those people that are out there lost that need to be saved and need to be healed and delivered, Lord, let us pray the prayer of faith over them and let them even see the magnificent power of God and your love for those that are lost that you will heal and deliver them and set them free, and they'll see your miracles, so they will know that we are men and women of God. And then when we say what we say about you and your love, they will receive it. And after they've received their healings and their deliverances, they will come into your kingdom and become your children and become holy children. Now, Lord, use us mightily in this area each day as we live. 
until you come again. Lord, we praise you and thank you because we know you're coming again someday. But in the meantime, Lord, help us to walk and occupy till you come because that's what we're about is occupying. Lord, as we walk holy in your presence, use us mightily for your kingdom. And we praise you and thank you, Father, in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen.